Hi there, this is Structured Rambling, a podcast about literature, ideas in literature, the texts, the themes, the virtues and beyond. My name is Paul, I'm a reader, a writer, a teacher, a fan, and a pig owner. Hello, good people of podcast land, this is Paul coming back to you. I I am recording this in our second Albertan lockdown of 2020, uh, our more gradual lockdown, our failure to uh, bend the curve of COVID-19, and here we are once again, uh, I'm teaching online and uh, you know, locked with my three favorite people for most of my evenings in our house, our th- my three favorite people and my one favorite pig. It is what it is, as uh, the saying that means nothing but answers everything goes, and uh, it is what it is. It's interesting, though, because uh, today I am going to be reflecting on um, the first lockdown and some of the ideas that came from that in what I'm talking about with literature today. Um, first off, uh, you may have noticed, those of you who are faithful listeners, that my scheduling, although I am still attempting to get in two podcasts a month, uh, one structured, one rambling, as is possible, uh, I definitely am a little bit behind. Uh, there will be two in the month of December 2020, maybe even three, but I might save one for January. But uh, I am endeavoring my best, and I do apologize if anything uh, is frustrating to those of you who are of the more type A persuasion and wishing I would get them out on the 1st and the 15th like I was doing in the past. But two a month is what I'm looking for, and I'll do my best. Okay? So back to the spring, back to lockdown 1.0, the harsher, sharper, more savage, more uh, 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 surprising uh, lockdown came fast with smaller numbers of COVID cases than we are experiencing currently in the province of Alberta. Um, but better, better weather, although I went for a walk uh, this weekend uh, and uh, we basically are now in the weather we were in when I was going for a walk in March. Um, can't really ride my bike in it. Uh, anymore in December or yet in March, but uh, some cool, crisp walks to be had. Got to look on the bright side, because what else are you going to do? Anyways, in my lockdown days this spring, um, I started working my way through uh, a lot of classical and uh, significant texts uh, of history. Now, as a as a English language arts I hazard to say the term specialist, but somebody who's studied literature and its importance for his entire life um, and who has made it into his profession. I've read a lot of the big books and reread a lot of the big books. Um, and I said to myself, self, once uh, school starts to slow down, you should you should take this lockdown time to, to tackle uh, some of those remainders. Um, at a relative decent clip 
if I do say so myself, I made it through uh, a lot of the Greeks and Romans, many of which I'd read before, much of which I've analyzed on this very podcast. You can look back at some uh, earlier episodes if you like. Um, I, I, I peppered my experience with, with some films. Um, I watched the Brad Pitt movie Troy. Uh, I watched the Netflix series Troy, Fall of a City. Uh, I even YouTube some of the old Hercules cartoon. Uh, I rewatched Gladiator, and was I not entertained? I watched a couple episodes of I Claudius from the BBC to go with when I did that, and it was good. I made it essentially to the end of the Roman Empire, historically speaking, or at least the end of the pagan Roman Empire, um, the the beginning of the Christian Roman Empire. Around the same time, I got back to work almost at normal, and so I've been really busy at my real job. Um, I haven't ground to a halt exactly, but it's no coincidence that I'm taking a long time to get through Edward Gibbons' uh, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Um, I'm on the cusp of the Middle Ages, some of my very, very favorites, like Beowulf, the Edda, the Saga, the Volsungs. Uh, I just finished reading um, the Song of Roland, the oldest uh, existent. I might be wrong about that, but definitely one of the oldest epic French poems. And that was my first read of a, of a poem I've read snippets of, uh, epic poem I've read snippets of. Another thing I am currently reading, though, is the Bible. The Bible. Now, I'm not especially qualified to comment on the Bible, but then who is? Without a doubt, it is the most complex text in existence, uh, with the Quran coming second and Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time coming a distant third for complexity of completely different reasons. To the unbeliever, which is basically me, the Bible is at best a two-part moral treatise with some specious history intermixed with myth and fantasy and magical superstition. At its worst, it's the main cause for the past 2,000 years of strife. There's a case for both arguments. But to the believer, of course, it's the word of God. There is those in this camp often suffer confusion and frustration because the amount of contradictions in this book are are many and the lack of applicability so much of it has to modern life can be confusing and of course the debate over just how much of it is to be taken literally especially given the fact that it's most of it a translation of a translation and that's the best When I defend the Bible, uh, the best I can say is you can't live in Western society and ignore it, good or bad. You have to be at least aware of it to some extent. And to study literature and history uh, in this society without having at least a working knowledge of what the Bible is about is to embrace ignorance. But I don't live by it. Uh, I went to Catholic school until I was 12, which means I have a good uh, familiarity with the New Testament. Um, But I also encountered lots of the Old Testament, because Roman Catholicism is the first form of Christianity to ever exist. 
really. It also means I don't have lots of understanding of the many variants of Christianity beyond basic Protestantism. So I'm especially alarmed by these fundamentalist Christians who accept Christ, but then some of the wonkier rules of the Old Testament as well, and they live by them verbatim. Um, I have even less of an understanding of Judaism. So recently, uh, a dear friend uh, recommended that I read the A.J. Jacobs book, The Year of Living Biblically. The Year of Living Biblically, One Man's Humble Quest to Follow the Bible as Literally as Possible. Jacobs is a writer for Esquire magazine and a minor celebrity uh, from New York who writes these diary-style novels about doing something eccentric, uh, like his prior book, The Know-It-All, where he reported on his experiences as he read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. This book, um, as the subtitle suggests, is trying to literally live what the Bible says. Of course, this makes for confusion and comedy because the Bible is very hard to take entirely literally all the time. That's how you get snake handlers, for example. He grows a beard, he wears white, he ties tassels to his garments, he observes every religious holiday that he can possibly do far more than we observe today. He even tries to do some of the crazier stuff, such as writing the Ten Commandments on the doorway to his rented apartment in New York City. He considers stoning sinners, uh, throwing rocks at people, which gets him in a little bit of an issue, even though he tries to find a loophole and only throw small rocks. He travels to the most fundamentalist sects in the United States. Um, he encounters the aforementioned snake handlers. Uh, he encounters creationists. Uh, he spends time with the Amish. Um, he travels to Israel, to Jerusalem, to the center of uh, most of the major religions in modern times. The, the thing I find foreign about A.J. Jacobs' book, um, well, there's a lot, but one big one is, like the actual Bible his, itself, his book is three-quarters Old Testament and one-quarter New Testament. And there's a lot more Judaism in here than Christianity. And just because of where I grew up and what I know, that's kind of a, the reverse understanding I have of the Bible. I approach anything in the New Testament from the lens of Christianity. Um, Jacobs himself is Jewish, though a secular one, and he lives in New York. And so the whole thing is grounded in the thought that Judaism, sorry, that Judaism is the norm and literal interpretation of the Old Testament because the word is so critical to those of the Jewish faith. The, the laws and um, the, the, the exact following of, of, of them and the acts um, required and all of that. Whoever wrote the Old Testament was seriously a type A personality. There's uh, an entire book called Numbers, which is mostly instructions and measurements and, and checking boxes. And like, honestly, you're two steps away from um, obsessive compulsive uh, behavior in it. Um, 
But the God depicted therein has instructions that would seem excessive, even to the knights who say knee. Uh, he expects a lot, and he expects it just so. I grew up in Western Canada, where Christianity is a far bigger faith, and Judaism is confined to a few of the bigger cities. There, the populations of uh, of the Jewish faithful in places like Calgary is much smaller, minuscule compared to, of course, Montreal and uh, Toronto. So Jacob's quest is all the weirder to me because I find much of the Old Testament has aged the poorest compared to the New Testament. Um, The priorities are those of ancient Hebrews, desert nomads, warriors, a people almost a slave people who were almost wiped off the face of the planet. Uh, there's a lot of vengeance, uh, a lot of harsh punishments for what we would view as light infractions. The God of the Old Testament is vengeful and spiteful. He punishes. He's the eye for an eye God. It puts Jacob's in an amusing awkwardness when he wears white with tassels on it, when he grows a unibomber beard, when he makes sure his fibers aren't mixed, um, and that his bread is unleavened. He also needs to think hard about stoning people, or eating a raw egg, or uh, killing a chicken. Not touching anything his wife does when she's menstruating. Uh, She has fun with this by... uh, uh, torturing him by touching absolutely every piece of furniture in their house, so he has to sit on the floor because she feels it's stupid. Both testaments are pretty sexist, but the old has so much about the cleanliness of women, their behavior, and and the punishments for those who encounter um, uh, any of the of the stain of a woman. Uh, women are possessions, and this this doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't read well uh, to my modern sensibilities. Although not a Christian myself, I've never had an issue with the main themes of Christianity, the main ideas. Be good to each other, help the poor and the sick, be humble, you're all equal. Yes, there's a mandatory praising and living uh, for God. Yes, there's the accepting of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But take the myth of the Christ out of the equation and you get his teaching, which is likely the most historical part of the whole Bible. Um, the, the parables that Jesus says are, are generally considered by historians, that and the, the, the crucifixion itself, uh, to be the most historical aspects, the likeliest truths uh, from a historical point of view in the New Testament. Uh, but unlike the Old Testament, a lot of what he says uh, holds up today when taken literally. Um, with, of course, some glaring exceptions. Um, But much of the issue comes from St. Paul. Um, St. Paul was an apostle who never actually met Jesus. In fact, his original name was Saul, and he persecuted Christians, and then he had a vision and became the biggest um, cheerleader for Christianity ever. In fact, St. Paul more than its namesake, defined Christianity for modern times. 
he broke with Jesus' brother James, who wanted Christianity to remain a Jewish sect. Paul explained the faith to outsiders in his epistles to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians, um, to a dude named Timothy, to another dude named Titus, and a guy named Philemon. Paul's books set so much of what Christianity became. Paul uses the Old Testament literal reading to reform the new faith. And thus, women become subhuman, unclean, lesser, and a lot of the more complex issues that make Christianity unpopular in the secular world find their root in the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Paul is to me an example of the most problematic type of Christian, one who accepts the faith and the teachings of Jesus, but one who also uses the literal Old Testament verses to define the most ludicrous actions. It's pure tinfoil hattery, some of it, or as Jacobs describes describes it, snake handling. Fundamental Christianity is, in, in some of its forms, takes this literal reading of either testament and applies it to modern life in ways that can be pretty alarming. Worse are those who choose to interpret it to be the most bizarre, uh, to take it to these these bizarre lengths. This is when we see people pulling their kids from society, stockpiling weapons, building a shelter in the mountains, and predicting multiple apocalypses. And avoiding vaccinations to a very uh, distressing pandemic um, and ignoring the obvious solution to it. But off my soapbox, I get. Oh, this is going to be a dangerous podcast no matter what I do. I'm talking about the freaking Bible here. Somebody's going to have issues. If you have issues, please email me at structuredrambling at gmail.com. In essence, uh, this may be the major contradiction of the Bible. Jacobs is culturally a Jew when he starts his year of living biblically, uh, but he's an agnostic Jew, but he's not unopen to ideas like prayer. Uh, He's willing to pray multiple times a day. Uh, He's willing to do good deeds, but his book only dabbles in the New Testament. Taken as a whole, the two Testaments don't always work together. For Christians, the Old Testament works as a a foundational myth. The New Testament as a manual for living a life of faith. The two are hard to mesh if you're willing to take the New Testament literally and improve it, sorry, and impose it on the Old Testament. Best, the mistakes can be silly, and at worst, very dangerous, and lead to wars and uh, judging your neighbor and doing some very unchristian stuff. When you take turn the other cheek and you live it with an eye for an eye uh, attitude, that's where the problem arises, and that's where fundamentalism becomes impositional. But here's the thing about why the Bible is important. I mentioned in my episode on Shakespeare that though I I love Shakespeare more than the Bible, uh, I did not spontaneously or unspontaneously combust. I did not I'm really looking for a conjugation of a word. Sacrilegiously combust. But the Shakespearean canon is important because it's the second most referenced text in the West, in Western society. The Bible is first. You don't have to be a Christian or Jewish uh, 
but you'd have to be pretty ignorant and indignant to ignore this text's importance to our society, both good and bad. It's unavoidable. Um, the themes, many of them matter in all literature, secular or not. And son of God or no, Jesus was a decent socialist hippie who was a dynamite party guest. I can't, in a single podcast, address the importance or the significance or the problems of the Bible. There are entire schools of literature more well-informed than I am dedicated to this. But I can say that one thing that Jacobs points out in his book, inadvertently, is how impossible a true literal reading of both Testaments is because it's a couple thousand years old. It hasn't entirely aged. And that's why there are whole um, groups of, of Jewish uh, leaders and philosophers and, and rabbis dedicated to reinterpreting um, what has been said in their law and to see how you can maybe make it a little bit more figurative and a little bit more applicable to life. The parables of Jesus, because of their simplicity, just like Aesop's fables, allow you greater room to sort of move them into modern times, with, of course, exceptions. But turn the other cheek is a very simple rule. If a man slaps me in the face, I turn the other cheek. Um, Be nice to everybody. Treat everybody equally. So much of my own personal philosophy is is found, not sourced from, but found in the teachings of Jesus Christ, because so much of it is just basically right. Uh, we can say the same thing when we look at the the majority of the Ten Commandments, right? Don't kill, don't steal stuff from your neighbor. Um, most of them are pretty applicable today. But then there's Moses and, and um, the creators, the, the writers, if you will, of the Bible, uh, uh, expand on everything in there and, and definitely take it in more complex ways. So the Bible is an acquired read. I do think everybody should get through it at least once in their life. I know I've read the New Testament multiple times just because of... of um, the school I went to as a kid, and I also studied in university. I don't know if I've ever read every single piece of the Old Testament before now, and I'm about halfway done it. I'm taking my time with it. Uh, I will be well into the Middle Ages, maybe even to the High Middle Ages before I'm done the Bible, but um, the Middle Ages are arguably the better place to be reading the Bible, especially the New Testament anyways, because they had a much greater effect on that society than they did on the society of uh, late Rome. So for those of you who are listening to these in some kind of a linear order, uh, so mom, uh, thanks, but uh, you need not. But if you are, that's where I'll be going. Um, Down the future line, what's on the horizon? Well, I'm going to be talking about, uh, I guess, this is basically a structured episode, sort of. Um, But I've got a couple more structured ones coming down the pipe. But they're only exploring episodes and motifs and themes in two great uh, works of 20th century literature. One of them is I'm going to be looking at sort of... um, Outcasts and Outsiders in John Steinbeck's classic of Mice and Men. And I want to actually look at the use of light as a metaphor for goodness in 
one of the greatest novels ever. Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, I should analyze the whole novel, but at the same time, just like the Bible, To Kill a Mockingbird seems like it's just too grand for a man of my meager talents to do uh, in its entirety, so I will uh, I will maybe just uh, do bits and pieces of it. But that's what's coming down the pipe. Uh, some interesting stuff. So, uh, in just over 20 minutes, I have attempted to analyze a book about the Bible and the Bible itself. And I hope you take with a grain of salt my inexperience um, and underqualification, but just to talk to you about the idea of living it. Anyways, have yourself a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.